Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. We have our brother Buck Matthews. I was counting this the other day. Three couples and um, Ed from the original planning group to plant the work out here in Claremont are the ones that remain. So we're happy at this time to turn our time of teaching over to our brother Buck Matthews. Turn our Bibles to Second Peter chapter 1. No big surprise, that's what he read today, huh? Found some interesting statements. There's always a lot of interesting statements in the scriptures, but this is really personal for me and for each believer. We're going to learn how that if we do certain things, we will not fall. We, are not, we will not be idle. And we will not uh, be unfruitful. And that's a good thing to learn. A lot of believers go through their whole life thinking, uh, how can I be stronger today? What can I do that will make me more like Christ? And, and we're going to learn today the things that we should be thinking upon, like Colossians 3 says, think on these things. Think on the heavenly things. Think on Christ and the, and the things that we can be. And think on the idea of us being as Christ. Here we have in Second Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtain like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine, his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that he hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby we are given, whereby we are given unto us, whereby are given unto us, sorry, exceeding great and precious promises, that these might be partakers of the divine nature. A nice expression. We're partakers of a divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, reminds you of advertisement or advertising something for 1995. But wait, and besides this, there we're given all diligence. This giving all diligence add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if if these things be in you and abound, they may make you that you'll neither be barren or idle or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind, cannot see afar off, hath forgotten that he has, was purged from his sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling 
and election sure. For if you do these things, if you do these things, you shall never fall or never faint. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we were to look in First Peter, we would find a word I would write over First Peter is grace. And Peter knew a lot about grace. <clears throat> in Second Peter chapter 1 and other passages here in the, in the uh, second epistle, we're going to find out that the knowledge of Christ causes growth in a believer's life. This writer, Simon Peter, we find him in his conversion in John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. Andrew, his quiet brother, brings Peter, comes running to him one day and says, Peter, we have found the Messiah. Come and see. And when they got there, Peter and Andrew looked at Jesus, and Jesus said, when they said, where dwellest thou? He said, come and see. Peter also in Luke chapter 4 uh, there by the seashore while he was washing his nets and all, the Lord Jesus comes by and he looks at them and he says, let me in your ship, move it out a little bit so I can speak to this crowd. And as he spoke to the crowd, Peter and them listened. And when it was over, he told Peter to go and cast his nets. I know you washed them, but cast the net and throw it over the side of the boat and he did that. He says, we've already tried this, Lord, but because you said so, I will do it. Good, Peter. Good. He found out that as he pulled those nets, they were full. So he cried for the other ship and said, come over and help. And when they filled the ship full with fish, they start sinking. And he said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Another time in Peter's life, a little later, Matthew 16, verses 13 to 16. Jesus said to him, he said, uh, uh, who do men say that I am? And uh, some said, you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're another prophet. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And the God of heaven revealed this to Simon Peter. This is one time where Peter said the right words guided by the Lord instead of always saying a lot of wrong things. But we're going to learn why he did those wrong things. But here in First Peter, I mean, in this passage here in Matthew 16, he says, Lord, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes, my father has revealed this to you, Simon Peter. And then in Peter's life in Matthew 17, verse 1 to 5, we find him and James and John going up to the mountaintop with the Lord Jesus Christ, where Christ was transfigured before them. His face was so bright. And Peter had an idea, not led by the God of heaven. <clears throat> Peter said, well, let's, let's build three tents, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Lord. A great cloud came upon the scene. And... Uh, this word from heaven to the disciples said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
hear ye him. And here in this passage, when the cloud went away, it says only Jesus was there and they saw him. Well, Peter speaks up a lot of times in the scriptures. And sometimes we say, well, how stupid can he be in the things that he says? But you know, Peter is a lot like us. We say wonderful things sometimes, and sometimes we don't say so nice a thing or scriptural. Lord, let us build three tents for these people, thinking that the Lord is, they are equal with God, with the Lord Jesus. But, you know, as we go through the scripture, I'm, I'm bringing these out about Peter's life because he was just a normal fisherman. He had his mountaintop experiences. He had his low experiences. You remember at the time that he denied the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It was low. But many of these things, um, many of these things we understand that he is just a man. And therefore, he has, because he had this experience with the Lord, he has the license, so to speak, or the guidance of God the Father, and by the Spirit of God, writing First Peter and Second Peter, these epistles. And that's why I mentioned a little bit about what type of person he was, always willing to, to, to work for the Lord, always willing to speak up, and yet Peter failed the Lord in his latter days there before he went to the cross. But we thank the Lord in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 7. When the Lord rose from the dead and saw the women, he said, Go and tell the disciples and Peter that I go unto Gal Galilee. And as we move into this epistle, as I mentioned before in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, it says, This is the true grace wherein we stand. Peter knew grace and receiving that which he did not deserve. He knew all about that. And so he could write about it. And so here's another experience that we have in Second Peter. The context is growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge is a big word there in, in this epistle. In fact, it's mentioned 13 times, either know or knowledge. And this is an intellectual knowledge. This is being in the word, being familiar with the word, letting the word of God dwell in us. And this is actually what this means by growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 17, and verse 3, this is life eternal, that you may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And also in Philippians 3.10, Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, they were already saved. They wanted to know him through experiences of life. And that's what this passage that we're going to look into here as we're looking into it now, we're, we're going to learn of experience in life with Christ, with the Spirit of God within us, and with our appreciation of who Christ is, what he has done, what he has done to satisfy the Father. And as we read these passages the, in chapter 1, it opens up with a description of a Christian life, the genuine Christian life. 
This is going to teach us what a genuine Christian life is. In fact, bank tellers and other people that handle money, $10 bills, $20, $50, bills, they are taught what the real bill feels like, what it looks like, what it should be. So that when someone passes them on a counterfeit bill, they know that, well, that's not right. They can't put that little check through there. So here we're going to learn what a genuine Christian is like. In the first four verses, we, we look at the divine power and the divine nature of God. In these first four verses of Second Peter chapter 4, the divine power and giving us a divine nature. We have the Spirit of God in us. We have God in us and the Lord Jesus Christ based on Romans 8. We have the actual, <clears throat> there's a, the expression is, we have the like precious faith. Peter and them has it. We had the like precious faith. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are on the equal plane. We, we can, we have, they had no advantage. I know that they actually saw the Lord and worked with the Lord. But you know, there's a passage in um, in First Peter chapter one verse eight, I believe it is. Having not seen, ye love, and though you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Jesus said in John fourteen, "If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, and you know what the Father is like." The Philippi said. In there's a passage in Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-nine, and it says, "For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son." And Second Corinthians three, verse eighteen, tells us, "But we are all with an open face unveiled." Beholding, as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord, into the same image, from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the Spirit. As we look into this Word of God, and as we look into it daily, we will experience, and, and as we examine ourselves, we will see, and others should see that the glory of God is shining out of us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 to 3, it says, Behold, or beloved, now are we the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in him of the coming of Christ will be purified, even as Christ is pure. Now getting deeper into Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. This glowing Christian life that we should have. Lived by the power of the Spirit of God. It starts with that like precious faith. And it also continues on. Down here in, the, in, in, in verse 1 to 2. This like precious faith that's mentioned. I have here that. The, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, his word 
is that Simon Peter is a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is also the Savior. And it's mentioned five times in these, these epistles. In, in 1 Peter chapter, in 2 Peter, sorry, chapter 1, verse 1, Christ Jesus, our Savior. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, he's a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 2, he's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, he's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To be our Savior, he had to go and die in our place for our sins. The Lord, our Savior, had three qualities. And no one else has these qualities. He was righteous, he was full of grace, and he gave peace. We are passed on these qualities. We are made right with God by the blood of Christ. We are giving us what we don't deserve. We have received that which we don't reserve, deserve. And in, in chapter Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by God, we have Peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith involves God's power. As we experience through studying this word, we also experience his power, which produces life and godliness. In 1 Peter 2 9, it says, We have been saved so that we might show forth the praises and virtues of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now let's go on to verse 4. Have in verse 4 God's exceeding promises that are great and they are precious. They're great because of God being such an awesome God and they're from God. They're precious because of their value beyond calculation. In 1 Peter 1 1, that word precious is used, sorry, in 2 Peter 1 1. It's used as precious faith. First Peter 1 verse 7 is used as precious trial of your faith. In 2 Peter 1 verse 4, precious promises. In 1 Peter 1 verse 19, precious blood of Christ. And in 1 Peter 2 verse 4 and 6, precious stone. Seven times. The number of perfection, the word precious is used in the first and second epistle of Peter. Taking hold of these precious promises, it leads us to understand <clears throat> that we've been given a divine nature. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it tells us that you're a new creation. And old things have passed away. <clears throat> all things have become new and precious because all things are out of God who hath reconciled unto himself the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, now we are ambassadors for Christ. Presently, we're representing Christ in this world and to believers and to the lost. Being in God's word, representing Christ on the earth gives us purpose and fuel for growth. 
<clears throat> now we're getting to the meat of the passage, verses 5 to 7. Where this life and service is growth. Where there is life and service, there is growth. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And now let's look at verses 5 to 7. It tells us of the seven characteristics of a godly life. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you or umpire in you. <clears throat> Let it rule and guide your life, the word of God. Diligently add or diligently supply generously unto this faith that you have, this like precious faith. Add virtue. What is virtue? Sometimes we just read through these words and we let them go. Virtue is fulfilling a purpose of moral excellence. A believer fully glorifying God in his life is being virtuous. <clears throat> Add to your virtue knowledge. Practically studying God's word. Living according to his will and to his service. That is knowledge. Add to knowledge temperance. Temperance is self-control, having your body under control. Proverbs 16, verse 32 says, Slow to anger is better than being mighty. Add to your temperance. Patience. Patience is meaning to, to endure with, with circumstances. Uh, we must expect to have trials. We're going to have trials in our life. And understand that this trial here is given as a way of becoming more godly in Christ. Having long-suffering. Patience is having long-suffering with difficult people. Well, you don't have that problem at all. Sometimes your parents just don't understand you. Sometimes they just don't understand me. Yeah. But. Having long-suffering with difficult people is having patience. It's being more like Christ. So we add to that patience godliness, God-likeness. The man who is right with God, he lives above those petty things of life. The passions and pressures that control other people, he doesn't have that. He has one that is like precious faith, one that is following God's word, one that wants to be more like Christ, be made like unto the image of Christ. He is the one that is not affected by petty things of the world. Add to patience, godliness, which we've just gone over, and then add to your godliness, brotherly kindness. Romans 6.10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In 1 Peter 1.22, unfeigned love of the brethren, for the brethren. That is being brotherly kindness. 1 John 5 verse 2, loving one another is evidence, evidence of being born again. And lastly, the seventh 
characteristic or quality of a believer that will not fall, that will not be unfruitful, is love. Sacrificial love for the brethren as our Lord sacrificed his life for our undeserved salvation at Calvary. Christ died for the ungodly. Love being guided, added, God's love, love with no return, love thou hast, though having no merit to receive this love, he gives it. This is God's love. And this is the way that we should understand. To clarify, all of these seven qualities are to be developed in unison. You don't just one or two. It's not like a gift. You have got the access <clears throat> of doing these many things of having virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And if you think about it, Christ fulfills all of these in his purpose, person down here on the, on the earth. <clears throat> Developing this in unison is not done by us. It's the power of God. The power of God has given us this divine nature to respond to spiritual things, feeding on these qualities. Let's go to verse 8 to 11. <clears throat> we will abound and not be taken or unfruitful. Sorry, we'll not be idle. We will abound and not be idle or unfruitful in our life in Christ here on the earth. Spiritual life brings practical results to the person developing them and will draw others to Christ. Three evidences contrasted in verses 8, 9, and 10. <clears throat> the first evidence <clears throat> is brought out as fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is the more we become like Christ, the more the Spirit of God uses us in service and witness. The believer who is not growing is unfruitful, is idle. He understand and understand that fruitfulness is not in reference to reaping souls for Christ. That is the byproduct. God wants our Christian life <clears throat> to be fruitful. Then he uses us in our service for the church to edify it and also to reach out to souls and draw them to Christ because of the way that we are. They, they want what we have. Can you say that? Can you sit back and close your eyes for a minute and say, does the world want what I have or do I want what the world has? If the answer is yes, the world wants what I have because of these seven qualifications here, they see this in me and they want it. Have you ever had that experience where someone says, I want what you have? If you haven't, think about it. Might need to be more like Christ and more like his image. Right. <clears throat> the verse nine, there's a vision. Whosoever lacks these seven characteristics, yet having faith in Christ, you're blind. 
it's a metaphor, I mean, because it says then you're short-sighted. It seems that it's contradicting, but short-sighted specifies a believer so occupied with material things in the world that he doesn't have time for God. So occupied with it that he neglects spiritual living. He could have... <clears throat> and, and then finally, the, the third thing is forgetfulness. Believers have forgotten, has forgotten. Believers have forgotten or lacks interest in the fact that he has been cleansed from his old sins. True redemption has lost its grip. The actual, he's lost his first love. He left his first love, not lost it. He has left his first love, as it says in Revelation chapters 2 or 3. He has left his first love. He has lost his first love. There is a difference. So far, and this person that has been forgetful, that he was cleansed from his old sins, and that he has left his first love, he gets to where that he's so far away that, that he's no good, no use for God at all. In fact, people look at him, and they can't tell the difference between them who are lost and them who were saved. But yet, he had that precious faith at one time, and it was no longer precious to him. It's in verses 10 to 11 now, security, hope, direct, of what to do, directions of what to do. Here in verses 10 to 11, <clears throat> after I drug you down in sadness where that you're, you're no earthly good for God, he wants to bring us back up. Peter says, I've been down there before, but I want to bring you back up here to verses 10 to 11. Let's read those verses again. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall, fail. And or so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm excited. I'm excited to understand that here in this passage, we have a calling and we have an election. The election refers to God's sovereignty, his eternal choice of individuals to belong to him before the world even began. The calling takes place when we are converted and we follow God's leading into service. This calling is something that we have in Hebrews 3 verse 1 as a heavenly calling. The calling in 1 Peter 1 verse 15 is a holy calling. In Ephesians 1 verse 8, it's a hope. And in Philippians 3.14, that calling was from on high. The growing Christian can look with confidence to the future. For there is an abundant entrance into the eternal glory. 1 Corinthians 3.15 tells us that the judgment of Christ will be a sorting out of our service. The wood, hay, and stubble, the gold, silver, and precious stones. Some will be saved. 
yet so is by fire. Now, please take these first 11 verses of 2 Peter. Meditate and read them in the passage. To gain the knowledge that being, that being this life described here will make you sure and your election and calling sure. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Let us pray. Father, we come to thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for the word of God that we have it in our hands at our home. And that we might take our selves home and study these passages of Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. And see how that we might glow like Christ. And we might truly serve him as we should. And we might take these seven qualities and understand that we don't have one or two. We're to develop all seven. The last being love. And let us truly together grow in the grace of our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know this is the way that we can become more like Christ. I know it's good, our Father, to study books and everything about the passages that we have gone over and that we do read the scriptures daily. Nice to read books about them, but to read the word of God is one that makes us knowledgeable about Christ and all that he did, not just on the cross for us, but all that he accomplished for the Father so that the Father might be satisfied and we might be reconciled back to God. So our Father be with us and give us traveling mercies and we're praying for the day that we might all be able to come together physically and remember the Lord Jesus Christ uh, until he comes. In the holy and precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.